Hello, welcome to Recapping with Delora and Ashley. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Recapping Podcast. Also, comment, rate, and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. We're on all the things. We would love to hear your ratings of the movies and shows we review. Email us your audio file to recappingpodcast at gmail.com and we will play it during the show. Or DM us on Instagram and we will post and read it on air. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you. Hey, Ashley. Hey, girl. Hey. The time has come to recap one of my favorite movies. It is 2006, The Departed, a crime drama, two hours and 31 minutes long. (laughs) This long ass movie, girl. (laughs) Rated R, and it's currently available on HBO Max. Here's a quick summary. South Boston cop Billy Cassigan, Leonardo DiCaprio, goes undercover to infiltrate the organization of gangland chief Frank Costello, Jack Nicholson. As Billy gains the mobster's trust, a career criminal named Colin Sullivan, Matt Damon, infiltrates the police department and reports on its activities to his syndicate bosses. When both organizations learn they have a mole in their midst, Billy and Colin must figure out each other's identity to save their lives. This is a star-studded cast. Leonardo DiCaprio, Billy Cassigan, Matt Damon, Colin Sullivan, Frank Castillo, Jack Nicholson, Mark Wahlberg, Sergeant Diggum. Martin Sheen, Captain Queenie, Ray Winstone as Mr. French. We have Vera Farmiga as Madeline, Alec Baldwin as Captain Ellerby. We have Anthony Anderson as Brown. This film was directed by Martin Scorsese. It was written by William Monahan, and producers were Brad Gray, Graham King, and Brad Pitt. Rotten Tomatoes gave this movie from the critics 90%, 94% from the audience score, and Google users gave this movie 92%. Then I mentioned it was released October 6, 2006, so 15 years ago. Ashley, they looked it. They looked it quite young. That part. What's your grade for The Departed? All right. So as we continue this recap of our favorite films, my grade for your favorite is a B minus. And I'm being generous because I should have dropped it a letter grade for those hard ERs. Girl. The N word. Listen. A couple of times in this film. I said, oh, no. Yep. Oh, no, Jack Nicholson. I'm here. I hear you. I'd only seen this film one other time and the memory I had of it was of that elevator scene towards the end. So I went in remembering it as quite violent, which it was. But the double deception storyline with this who's who, to your point, a big name, mostly white male actors who at times some of them are also quite problematic. Yes. (laughs) 
I, I stuck with it, kept me. But most of all, after I watched this again, I cannot wait to hear your thoughts. I cannot wait to hear <laughs> how this has ranked. Because I feel like I know you so well at this point in time in our lives and our friendship. And this shocked me when you said this was the one that we were going to do. So the floor is yours, sis. Tell us how you feel about The Departed. Ashley, The Departed is one of my favorite movies. I, unlike you, am unable to be decisive enough to just pick (laughs) one movie. I have movie, I have categories for my love. And this one is one of my favorite crime, drama, thriller, like edge of my seat. It was so intense when I saw this movie and Mm. the ending was like mind blowing and I loved it. And let's keep it real. When this movie came out, all these stars I listed, Golden Boys of Hollywood. Okay, you had to be there. So to have such a star-studded... I'm shaking my head, guys, because to her mm-hmm. point, yes. Well-written movie. This movie won Best Picture at the Academy Awards. Martin Scorsese got his first Oscar after losing five times before this one. So this was a big deal. And part of that so part of that hype kind of played into how I felt about it. Mm. And I still do appreciate it because uh, it is a pressure cooker of a movie. Even though I've seen this movie multiple times, I'm still on the edge of my seat when Jack Nicholson comes in any room because he's such a bastard. You know <laughs> what I mean? <laughs> no, I, I'll give you that about a good ending, though. There was such poetry. Yeah, to the ending of this film, and I am very tough on projects that I don't enjoy the ending, a la Game of Thrones. Correct. Listen, and so with that being said, and watching it again for our podcast, I have reduced my grade for this movie because of white men acting badly, frankly, in Boston, in Boston, with those hard ERs, and again the way I felt 15 years ago is a lot different than how I feel today, right? Even though I was 15, 15 years ago. Were you? I was not, Ashley. I'm (laughs) joking. (laughs) I know. (laughs) But we always talk about looking at things in the current state Mm -hmm. with current lenses Mm -hmm. and the way my skin crawled on some of these things. Mm Mm-hmm. I've given it an A minus. Okay. It could have been plus, 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 plus. I also saw this movie with one of my dear friends. What did do, Brandon? The same Brandon that got us to recap Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> so it holds a, a dear spot in my heart as well. So got it. Appreciate without that. Further ado. And okay, I also want to say yes, I love The Wedding Planner. Yes, I love Little Mermaid. Yes. I love Braveheart and Braveheart would have been my choice because it has everything that I love. It's historical. There's love. There's war. There's like, you know what I mean? Freedom. Hello. But if Mel Gibson wasn't so problematic, (laughs) 
that would have been my favorite movie easily and also very fascinating to me so fascinating i can't with him i still care about leo even though his age average age is 25 i mean the like i said problematic you have alec now problematic mark Wahlberg was always problematic always always Uh, matt damon problematic but he was such he was so my fave because this was like peak born identity i was gonna say i still fuck with born heavy 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 and i still quote robin williams at the end son of a bitch he stole my line like yes so i get it i know that we're gonna have this a lot when history doesn't look kindly on some of these folks and some of these projects but those hard yars were always a no-no baby so oh yeah I forgot they had so many. It mm. wasn't so many, but it was like it was they, enough. They had enough. It exactly. Was enough. <laughs> exactly. Enough that Jack, if I meet you in person, I'm like, yo, you, you felt was comfortable, tripping. didn't you? You was tripping. All right. So let's go ahead and get into our spoiler alert. As I mentioned in the summary, the departed is a tale of two cops, one groomed to be the mole for the biggest mobster in Boston, the Irish mob. The other one, pining to do the right thing, coming from a family of wrongdoers and goes undercover to, again, do whatever it takes to be a cop. The movie moves pretty quickly. It starts off, it says Boston some years ago, right? We establish how badass Jack Nicholson, Francis, or Frank is. We see a young boy who is living with his grandma parents i'm sure he probably was swayed by the power that frank had in the community flash forward to graduating the academy we have a young billy who we don't know much about his past but we get more insights once we get to the actual like becoming detectives right and it seems like colin in particular has a pretty easy clear shot to the top whereas billy because of his family's past is dealing with um some agitation especially from queenie and sergeant diggum but the fact that he just agreed to it is it worth it like what would you go to jail to be undercover if this was your if this was your occupation i mean to a certain extent i understood the necessity of it to give him that street cred that he would need to do the job that he was going to have to do for them but it's if this is his desire i'm not really sure what other options he had i have no interest in being a cop i have no interest in that line of work but for him it seemed like especially as aggressive as mark Wahlberg's character dingham was about this whole situation like the antagonism that he had towards him i was like yo you're coming in very hot and i've never met you before so You know, I'm not sure I felt like he really had a choice, but I think that, you know, Martin Sheen really said it a little bit better. Like we deal in deception. That's that's the name of this game. And you fit a certain role that we really, really need. So at the end of the day, he could have seen it more so as I have to do this because, you know, maybe nobody else could do this better than me. That's a different way to look at it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, because I can dip my toe and and kind of live this dual life that I've been having to do my whole life since I was a kid. You know, it's not a a far reach for me to have to do it professionally and probably nobody else will be able to do it as good as me. So 
So the part of the reason why I bring it up is because I feel like he gives so much of himself for this job. Yes, he's by himself at this rate. His father is gone along with his uncle who both have criminal records. His mother dies um, from illness. But it's like he's not only going to jail, he's coming out and tapping into his his cousin and his criminal activities for the job. And so to me, it's like this seems like a tall order from Billy from the, the get go. Yeah, the family ties thing would be hard, but I was just looking up because it reminds me of In Too Deep. You remember that movie with L. Cool J and Omar Epps from the 90s? That whole idea. Again, it is a lot. It is a lot to ask of anybody to have to live this dual life and to constantly feel like you're being put into harm. Like when Billy first starts and he has that whole wire on his body, I'm like, what? There's no way out where that either because y'all gonna get me killed very quickly. Yeah. So one of the things that's important to establish is that Captain Queenie and Sergeant Dingham's undercover agents are sealed. And even Baldwin's character wants to know who the informants are. And that is one of the things that I do appreciate with what they were doing in terms of um, going underground and everything along those lines. But I knew that was going to rear his ugly head. (laughs) And we will get there. When it comes to Colin, as I mentioned, he is the quintessential golden boy. Okay. He seems to ease his way through the academy, ease his way to the elite detective department. And he is not shy about his love for the ladies okay he was out here staring down his co-workers and he has this meet cute on the elevator with madeline who is the psychiatrist for the cops or any anyone the department needs to have an official psych on hand did you even care about this relationship because one of the things that i thought was interesting (laughs) for me personally was at first, I'm like, are you doing this for your ego? Are you just doing it because you think she's hot? I mean, I don't know. It just was, their relationship just seemed weird to me. But I also feel that way because I don't think he was capable for anything deep because everything he did, everything he dealt in at that point was very shallow because he's Frank's mole. Yeah, it was interesting that it seemed like he was able to catch the eye of all, I guess he was at the height of his male prowess because he was able to catch the eye of all these little ladies that he was, you know, trying to chat up or what have you. Did I care about this relationship is an interesting question because I definitely don't feel like I ever invested in it. Maybe because there were so, there was so much going on on both sides Yeah, of that relationship of deception and didn't seem like she really wanted to be there. I'm not sure if, he really cared or loved her maybe he did to whatever extent he was capable of but mm. he had a lot that he couldn't discuss and that he had to hide so i couldn't ever really invest because it didn't seem like it was gonna work out during this budding relationship colin is out here colin frank as i mentioned the big bed in boston dad whenever he's on the phone i'm like dude do you have any shame like (laughs) any shame um it seems so obvious to me i don't maybe it's just the audience was supposed to feel that way because i'm like how is nobody else picking up who calls their dad at every major moment going on in these cases i agree 
I agree. And so to your point, whenever, whenever the police force was going to go in, he always had a call for his dad. Speaking of dad, Billy was out here trying to prove, trying to gain the trust of Frank. Uh, he's out here punching people at the bar for making a period joke, <laughs> which is very sexist because having a period is no joke. Anyway, <laughs> Jack Nicholson as Frank to me is one of the best villains he's ever played. And I say that because he was so hard to read, Ashley. Mm. Like, and a lot of people who are evil like that play into humor, play into, oh, it's okay. I'm just joking. Oh, but here's a hand. While we're just having a normal conversation, let me let me intimidate you by showing up with blood on my hands and face, or like I mentioned, an actual hand while we're having our morning coffee. Uh, to your point earlier, Billy saw that mess and was like, let me get this fucking wire off of me because what I'm not going to do is be like this person who's missing a hand currently. He was very violent. There are a lot of mobsters, bosses, things like that who don't get their own hands dirty. He seemed to revel in it. Yes, that's an excellent point. Even when they killed the two people on the beach and his response was, she failed funny. I was like, you're crazy. <laughs> you're crazy. But can I say this? Mm-hmm. I, st- I still couldn't take, I couldn't take Jack Nicholson seriously in this role. Really? Why Perhaps is that? It's because too much time has passed in me seeing him in other forms now. Something's Gotta Give. One of my favorite movies. I watched that too much for me to look at Jack Nicholson now in a similar look that he had in that film and think of him in this very gangster persona in the same way. Like Joker, when he played Joker, yes. That version of Jack Nicholson I still buy and I still believe he's just too close to the level that I see him at in subsequent roles. It'd be like if you all of a sudden put Robert De Niro back in a gangster role for me, I I, I can't, he's, he's, he's the dad from the Fockers. Like I just can't, I can't get past the humor now that so many of these guys have been in to lend the credibility I need for them to be killers. But, but, it doesn't mean he didn't play a hell of a good role. It's just well, my mind doesn't go there anymore for them. Well, speaking of this particular movie, and we'll get there in a minute, but that restaurant scene between him and Leo, I was sweating my ass off. I was like, I know what happened, but the tension, <laughs> my anxiety was on 10. The tension between him and Leo trying to decipher whether or not he was the rat. I I forgot to breathe. I forgot to breathe because I'm just like, this is so intense. Leo so intense. needed to give his forehead a break because that hard vein eyebrow pull that he did throughout the whole movie. I'm like, you had to have had a headache after these scenes. Like you just looked so intense and this little 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 piece right here in between your eyebrows. Poor thing. With Colin's call to dad, 
in the work that Billy was doing, it comes to light that there's a mole in the mist. Sullivan, as I mentioned, is the golden boy and he gets his own team. And the first thing he does is put a tell on freaking Queenie telling his department that he feels like he's a freaking rat. And I'm just like, it's the audacity for me in this particular instance. I, at this point, I couldn't tell where Matt Damon's character, Colin's allegiances really were. Not that I'm saying I don't think he was doing what he was supposed to be doing for Frank, but it was like, at what cost? Like, how is this going to go where you're starting to put yourself in situations, in my opinion, where things are going to reach a tipping point? You know what I mean? Like, you yeah. can't have both worlds collide in this way and not expect for there to be issues and casualties and as we're going to see, right? Absolutely. Like, I just couldn't tell. I was like, are you just about yourself? Is there some other motive that you have behind all of this? Like that that scene in particular, I was like, what did you think was going to happen, bruh? That is what I'm saying. So the captain is followed. He meets up with Billy on the roof. Billy is at his wit's end. Rightfully so, because at this rate, he's given up so much, but he's not seeing any traction in what he's doing outside of like, yes, I'm near the boss. When are y'all going to create a case? So I'm out of here. Everybody makes their calls and both the cops and the mob show up at the same location. The mob gets a hold of the captain. He is thrown off the building. One of Frank's main guys gets shot in the chest. And Billy is losing his sugar honey iced tea. One of the croonies that got shot knew that Billy was the rat, but wasn't able to tell anybody. Billy goes to therapy. <laughs> he, wasn't, he wasn't planning to tell anybody either. That was the biggest point. I, I noticed that too, but we didn't get much after that because he was he a cop. He was a, he was a Boston police officer undercover. I didn't know if he was the cop or the cops were saying that he was a cop for the sake of Frank. I think he was definitely a cop, which is why his in his last dying breath, he was saying, I gave you the wrong address because I noted it. Th 314 versus 344. Yes. But I didn't tell anybody. Why is that? And then he dies. It's because he was also undercover. Okay, well, we can go with that because, like I said, I was always under the impression that Frank was saying the Boston police is calling him a cop just to let him be the throwaway person as the rat. So I'm not looking for any more rats, but I know that's not the case. That's how I originally interpreted it. So I we'll have to ask Martin Scorsese because <laughs> we. <laughs> I guess it's more up for interpretation than I thought. That was my takeaway. It was like, ah, it makes sense. And then it's a clean break for Billy because, ah, little did you know, now that takes the heat off of you because he was also undercover. So it makes it look like, hey, you good to go, my guy. Yeah, but the pressure wasn't really let up because they got all the Social Security's date of birth of the game. So their rat, i.e. Colin, can look further into it. So one of the things that I thought was interesting was the power dynamic between Colin and Frank. And at face value, you assume that it's like a father-son relationship. When do you think that shift might have happened with Colin in terms of him doing what's best for him as opposed to what's best for quote-unquote dad and you know why he was put there in the first place? 
Well, I think he was put into some sticky, impossible situations once he actually got into his roles and got into these jobs and had to put his neck on the line. And I think the chef's kiss, the the sealing of the deal was when he finds out that Frank is an FBI informant. Yes. And it's like, oh, so you've been playing me this whole time. So you think that was the tipping point? I think that was the, we were done. I feel like this was happening before that part. So that's why I was like, well, I wonder what made him uneasy. Because one of the most um, notable conversations that Colin had with Frank was, give me social security numbers give me this that, and the other and frank is like give you what i give the orders type of deal yeah but that's I'm why like, i said i feel like he was putting him in some impossible situations but what do you think frank expected from him if he wasn't going to give him something to do continue on being their mold like that that's also a question that i have as well i think it's different once you're in the game right like i think the idea of it all of that is one thing but then once you actually are on the police force you're actually the one who's in these high pressure situations you're actually the one who's going behind everybody's back putting your neck on the line because that's what we end up seeing colin is for colin colin's like hey who knows about me who can tell anybody about me you know all this stuff because his livelihood and his reputation and his life is the most important thing for him which is a bit spotless. You always got to be concerned about that. That came up. <laughs> that came up with Alec Baldwin's character saying, oh, well, you have a perfect record. And usually you don't trust guys with perfect records, but I do because I have a perfect record. Mm. Mm-hmm. So as I mentioned, Billy goes to therapy. He meets up with Madeline, who is Colin's boob thing. And they have an interesting conversation I think Leo's um, monologue on policing was was interesting in the sense of it's still relevant to d- today. Some may say one of the most notable quotes was they signed up for their weapons. And if they say that they don't, they're lying. And I thought that was an interesting critique. He also goes on to say, I need some pills. And she literally just said, oh, well, thanks for opening up to me, but no thanks. Have a great day. And he called her out and was like, what is the point of going through this process if you're not going to help me? He threatened to kill himself, Ashley. Do you think there was some validity in his conversation with her? Validity to some of it, yes. But he also, this whole film, everybody is a liar. Now, whether or not in this case he did it for his in his own best interest uh he was a drug addict at this point you know he was he was he was taking oxy he was taking oxy he was also drinking very heavy liqueur but he did have a very stressful position that he was in. So. I was empathetic to him. Like, at least he was going through some proper channels at this rate. Because, I mean, maybe he was trying to self-medicate and realize, hey, let me talk to somebody. I have this resource for myself. <laughs> I wish that I felt like it was going to be helpful. I did not feel like this was the route to go to continue to prescribe him medication either. But then again, I don't know how how else to cope. 
in the position that he was in. So yeah, I no idea. It. Yeah, no I idea. can't judge it. Out of his conversation with the psychiatrist, he's really highly intelligent, and as we mentioned before, a chameleon. I was really impressed by that, like so much so that he was like, "Oh yeah, was your parents an alcoholic?" And she was like, "We're not talking about me right now." No, that was so insightful. Like you could Very. tell he was right. Yes, 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 yes. She gives him a prescription for anti-anxiety medication, but says, I'm going to, you know, refer you to another counselor. But he asked her for coffee. I was like, shoot your shot, sir. So she said in their first um, interaction, she said, honesty is not synonymous with the truth. That's ridiculous. And I was like, yo. So she out here playing games too then, huh? Yes. So I said, this movie is really about deception. Everybody is a liar in this movie. But that was some very Trumpian-ish to say, in my opinion. Oh, my God. Honesty is not synonymous with the truth. What are we saying? The big deal happened. So up until this point, in the midst of trying to figure out and revealing there's moles in the police force, there's moles in the mobster organization, there are these missing micro processors of course frank is in the middle of it the big deal goes down there's supposed to be no phones because of course colin got a hold of frank and so they turned it all off but billy apparently didn't get that message and kept his freaking phone on there also weren't any cameras in the back which seems like a failed opportunity from the department the exchange was made and frank was able to get away scot-free and Billy is livid about the freaking rat. <laughs> he was just like, what do I have to do? What do I have to do? Frustrating. Um, again, pressure is building between Frank and Colin. Frank is out here threatening his new girlfriend. They've been together at this rate for four months. It is revealed that Frank is, in fact, an informant. Even though Madeline and Colin are going strong, she still manages to hang out with Billy. <laughs> and Is that what you call it? Hanging out? Well, in the scene that I'm talking about, I'm like, is she packing to move in or move out? Like, what is going on here? They connect in a very intimate way, Ashley. Mm-hmm. What is this girl's motivation? Is it? Is it? Was it Leo's face? Like, yes. <laughs> because at this rate, Colin is obviously shallower than a kiddie pool, right? Like, he's not giving in that relationship because everything is too, quote unquote, perfect. But then you have Billy, highly intelligent, which is an attractive factor. But she knows this isn't going to go anywhere. Why? Why? Because we're human and we're flawed. And I think she has some deep-seated flaws that, unfortunately we weren't able to unpack as an audience right she like seems a bit shallow as a character what do you think well i just think it wasn't it wasn't a, it wasn't meant for us to focus on her it was meant for us to but it have never her is to it's a shame that yeah that her character is just kind of uh she's in between these two men for the sake of being in between these two men it's not because there's some huge cinematic need for it right it's just kind of to add a little more tension to the dynamic between them as they're you know, trying to figure out who the other person he is, essentially. So now you got a woman in between you two. That's cute. But 
she definitely was attracted to him. I knew that this was going to happen from that initial meeting. I'm like, the vibe is already there. I think to your point, what she found most attractive about him was that he did have a level of vulnerability emotionally that she wasn't getting at home. At all. At and all. sometimes, as we've talked about, that trauma relates to that trauma. <laughs> That pain relates to that pain, baby. You see that in somebody else and you it's like catnip. So, and he's not an ugly man. So that was Pete Leo, also. Let, let us not forget. Almost. Almost. Well, I'm saying that era. Yeah. Was peak. Yeah. Leo. Give me he was the Giselle. Titanic version in this film. And there's just <laughs> it's it's a done deal. Matt Damon, you might as well go home. When I tell you I had the biggest crush on Matt Damon back in the day, too. The only time I had a crush on him was that first Born movie. He was so... It was the Born identity. Sweet or sure. something yeah. about that character with him being so, like, in need. That I just... The nurturing <laughs> side of us women were like, I'll help you, baby. I'll help you. What you need? Let's track your history down. No. I, uh... I think that's what it was of Delora. I think she was attracted to the fact that he was giving her something she wasn't getting from her boyfriend or fiance. Let's talk about Matt Damon, though. Was he convincing as a bad guy in this role for you? See, I don't even see him as a bad guy, if that makes sense. Really? He's not a bad guy to me. Like, I know he He's did. working with the I know, mob. I know, I know he did bad things. I just don't see him as a bad guy because I see him as a product of his environment. That'd be like you put a movie out and somebody grew up in gang culture. And so they go down this line when they're an adult and they're still kind of wrapped up in this world. I can't, like, I don't. I don't see it as necessarily like you're just a bad guy, I guess. It's like you were a product of your environment. And so not that I give you a pass. I just don't see it in the same way as certain villainous characters we've had. Not to say he didn't do terrible things. He did. But it's it just it's not quite. I can't. I can't. I didn't see it quite that way, I guess. <laughs> My mouth is on the floor right now. <laughs> just, I'm telling you the truth. He's like I, a product of his environment. He is. He grew up around a mobster who basically adopted him. And so that's kind of that fucks you up a little bit psychologically. No part of you thinks, hey, me working in this organization and breaking their trust to inform my mobster surrogate daddy means it's okay. Maybe I would see it a little differently if he if it was another entity that he's rubbing up against outside of the police. Maybe that's why too. Like I, I don't want to go too far down a rabbit hole, but let's not pretend that, you know, y'all know what I'm saying. Perhaps if there had been a different entity that my guy was infiltrating, I would not feel the Boston PD. I might feel a little bit differently. So Delora chalk it up to that. <laughs> Actually, one of the books I read recently called It Ends With Us, that's a theme. Like, there's no bad people, but people do bad things. So. Again, I I think a, another, the way that it ends, I wasn't sad. I didn't feel any type of way about it. But I still also just don't see him as like this stone cold bad guy in the way that I see certain villainous characters like he made poor he was decisions. selfish in everything he, he did he was, which is but 
quintessential bad guy so many characters in this movie were that that's what's hard and like i can't like i don't care that he infiltrated the police i don't okay Okay. (laughs) i'm sorry i'm sorry guys the plot thickens when billy follows frank to this theater where he meets up with freaking colin Colin's getting a little messy, Ashley. I mean, he doesn't think the rat would follow Frank where he was going. Anyway, that that chase in the alley was pretty intense. And I one of my observations watching it recently, I'm like, oh, y'all are the same person. <laughs> what happened to the man that he stabbed, by the way? Did it did oh, he survive? That's an excellent question. And then comes that epic restaurant scene between freaking Frank and Billy. And I'm telling you, the pressure was so intense because you don't know what Frank is going to do. You know what I mean? Like he's unhinged because he's feeling the pressure. You know what I mean? And so. And you could tell he's he's gotten older because he's like, back in the day, I would have killed everybody. That part. I would have murdered all of y'all just 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 because i don't know who to trust (sighs) the captain is killed colin decides to call billy why did billy pick up that freaking phone from a dead man like like what made him think that was okay like i don't understand that i thought that he had realized when they both answered and were silent i was like ah okay good he knows yes right better But then, speaking of Colin, he always knows how to pull his weight. Talking about, oh, I'm, you know, detective whatever. I can help you. I'm glad he didn't fall for that okey-doke. But Dingham was over it. (laughs) He was like, I was so happy when he got the punches in, though. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. I was so relieved. The big drug bust happens. Colin is begging Frank to just stay back. Frank is like... No, we're going to pick up this cocaine and keep business going. This is where I really realized that Colin is like, yeah, I'm going to do me regardless. I'm going to give you a couple of warnings. Yes, we have some obvious tells. I knew you were going to ask me to call it off, but Billy knew what it was. And the big bus happens. We have this big face off between Colin and Frank. Honestly, again, as big and bad Colin acts like he is he looked like a scared bitch shooting at Frank though. <laughs> he really did. And he was conflicted. Even with the information about the FBI informant, he was conflicted, I'm sure, about taking out this person who had been a father figure to him. So and speaking of that, one of the um standout quotes for me is like you're doing all this murdering and all this effing and no sons. This is this is the best you got. And I was like, yo, Yo, you know, I thought that was gonna end up meaning like somebody else was his son. You know what I mean? Like that pops up out of the woodwork. Missed opportunity, I feel like. <laughs> Colin is the freaking hero. Everybody's applauding him for taking down the big bad. Billy comes in because he feel he feels like, hey, the job is done. But I'm like, sir. You didn't find out who the rat was in the department. Why would you come in so willy-nilly thinking it was over? Like, I just thought that was a poor decision. Yeah, agreed. Billy finds out 
But Colin was indeed the rat when he finds that citizen envelope on his desk. He gives an envelope to Psych Bay. That's what I'm going to call her. And <laughs> he mills a recording to Colin's house. Psych Bay finds it and press 511 buttons to get the CD player to work. Ooh, I do was not miss those much. days. That was... I was like, whew. The Sprint phones and that CD player. Girl, that was a whole setup, wasn't it? <laughs> Lord Jesus. She finds out that Colin is not the man she thought she was going to have a baby with. And upset. I was so upset at her for showing her hand so soon. I'm like, girl, don't you realize you got to be calculated doing with this man? Like, Colin was the type of guy that I felt like would beat the woman he was with. Like, I felt like he was capable of that. Interesting. I didn't necessarily think he was going to beat her, but I did worry he was going to kill her. Because again, at the end of the day, what it seems like he's been most afraid of is like being found out. Like, who knows about me? Who has this information? So I did I did worry, like, is he going to kill her? And then I was like, maybe not, because at the end of the day, you know. Again, did he, he really he love her? get away her, with all of these things. But I don't know if he understood what love really was. We find out that Billy actually had the recordings because Frank did not trust Colin after all that time. He gave He's the recordings <laughs> to He's Billy. <laughs> I know Billy was tired. That's what I put in my notes. I'm like, Billy is tired. Okay? He wants this to be over. He just wants his identity back. Unfortunately, Colin's punk butt deleted his entire file. Like, It should not be that easy to erase that man out of y'all system. That is what I am saying, Ashley. That really broke my heart. I'm not going to lie. It really did. We have the epic standoff at... What is it? 344 Washington Street. 344 Washington. Billy finally gets his hands on Colin, but unfortunately Brown shows up. Luckily, Brown remembers Billy from Academy and gives him the benefit of the doubt. They go on that freaking elevator and one of Colin's sycophants finds them and kills Leo. Point blank. I remember the first time I saw this in theaters, the way... I, I like was on the edge of my seat. <laughs> this is the scene I remember that I was yes. referencing guys at the, yes. the onset of this recap is this triple murder girl. Oh, dude, not only kills Billy, he kills Brown and then Colin takes the gun and kills the dude because no loose end. Well, yeah, because he said, you thought you were the only one. We were both working for Frank. Now it's just me and you. He said, listen, I can't trust you. So everybody did today. Everybody did. I have a question for you. Do you think that Colin wants to make it seem like Leo Billy is a hero for the sake of his own kind of covering himself because everybody already saw Billy coming to the station or did he just need some type of clean storyline like why did he make Billy the hero after all of this happened that's a great question I think he wanted to rectify some of his actions 
Mm. And the bare minimum he could do is let Billy have a hero's funeral. Mm. And if he had found out that that baby could be his, I don't know if he would have done it. You know what I mean? That part. Because I was like, whose baby is she pregnant with? Really? Really? Messy boots. White mess. (laughs) (laughs) But in one of the most satisfying endings, I wanted Leo to go free. I wanted him to survive. He had been through so much in this film. I just wanted to give him a hug, Ashley. Aww. That didn't happen. I'm like, how the hell this movie go in? You know what I mean? (laughs) Poetically. Poetically. Colin goes into his apartment and guess who is there? Dig him. And all he said, Colin said was, okay. Mm Because he knew what it was. Mm -hmm. This is what I'm saying. Like, Maybe part of the reason why I don't see Matt Damon as some super villainous person in this is because I'm not that invested. That's one thing. For two, the whole cop angle. And for three, y'all all know this life that everybody was living in this was dirty. Everybody was doing something a little dirty, except for like Queenie, who I did feel bad when Queenie was thrown too. off that roof. That was harsh. That was rough. That was, that was rough. But everybody else, I was like, I mean... I guess. Like, I really didn't feel (laughs) even Leo, for the love of Leo, who I probably would still ball my eyes out at the end of Titanic. I just, I just wasn't that invested. I did not see that coming at all. To your point, though, some of my favorite movies do have epic endings. The first Saw is up there for me. That ending was epic. The Prestige with Hugh Jackman and Christian Bale. Yes, 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 yes. Epic, 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 epic. So I feel you. And this is a young Delora who is at this rate. I laugh at this. I talk to my husband about this all the time. I was like, the way I used to put up with male maleness like their <laughs> their their comedy like I grew up watching Adam Sandler movies thinking it's funny and family guy and you know good fellas and the departed and I'm like yeah yeah but then I was like I don't have to love these things and they're smarter comedies now like you know what I mean so yeah there's more diversity in content that can yes. be consumed that's the yes. point Yes. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you, Ashley. This is why we are friends. I feel seen. So <laughs> this movie was so epic for me. And it made such a major mark on Hollywood. It won a freaking best picture. And there was a goal in my life that I wanted to watch every best picture. Ooh, um, that's rough. Um, like I said, it was a goal. I don't know if I'm gonna <laughs> do that i have successfully watched the last what 10 i'm not gonna lie to that but in history there's there's quite a few you know what i mean that's a lot and it's gonna be rough but good luck on that journey a couple of fun facts about the film really quick before we go into final thoughts the budget was 90 million dollars box office came in at 291.5 million this is looking at wikipedia this is also a remake of a hong kong action thriller film called infernal affairs you know doing the same thing you know following 
two individuals, one in police, one in the mobster situation, really, really popular. It is also loosely based off of the real life crime boss in Boston. It was based off of some of the real life games going on in Boston. All right, Ashley, any final thoughts on The Departed? If I meet Jack Nicholson, we're going to have to have a conversation about this. (laughs) He hasn't left the house in the last, like, seven years. I know he's older. Yeah, so I said if. Not because I think he's going to pass away, just because I don't know if I'm ever (laughs) going to meet celebs of that caliber. But... Like I said, it's, it was interesting to rewatch this because I had wait, only wait. seen it one time. This is The Shining, and you didn't find him to be a good villain? But The Shining was circa 1970-what? Like, he was then. It's this particular role and me seeing him in this particular role when he is older... That he just looks still too similar to some of the characters when he starts getting more comedic. It's the physicality of it for me. That's why I say like when he's younger, like the Joker, to your point, the Shining, here's Johnny. Terrifying, right? He was definitely. But as he's getting into this era where I've seen him in projects where he's just so much more comedic, I just can't take him as seriously. But it was interesting to rewatch this because, again, I'd only seen it one time. And yeah, I'm engaged. Storyline was compelling and fascinating still that this listed in your top favorite films of all time. (laughs) Like, I feel like as much as we talk, as much as I feel like I know about you from our time together, you never cease to amaze me, girl. So I'm reminded of one of my dear friends from college. Shout out to John. We we sat up and exchanged our favorite movies with each other. And I will never forget his list. And we, we picked our top two. His was Goodfellas and Breakfast at Tiffany's. And I was like, you're my people. Dark contrast. Absolutely. Breakfast at Tiffany's ain't no way in hell that's making my list. but It's not. When, when I watched it, I was like, why do you love this so much? But I think it's like, you know, the glamour of the era. Ardy Hepburn and all that. Sure. Sure. The Departed was a fun ride. I was super impressed by the ending. I was super impressed by the talent. There was a lot of, they had a lot of fun being bad in this movie. Um, The jokes were very testosterone driven. And I'm not going to lie, I I laughed quite a bit. One of my favorite ones was, you rise fast like a 12-year-old. Such a naughty humor. Anyway, if there's nothing else, Ashley, time for hitting gems. All right. I struggle with Hidden Gems this week. I almost was going to say I have none. And then I remembered I actually have watched some things since we last talked. First Hidden Gem, I just finished episode 10 as we speak. Bling Empire, season three. The reason why Bling Empire continues to make my... Yeah, the reason why it continues to make my Hidden Gems list is... Season two, I think I put it on there before I finished. Season two was rough for me because some revelations about some people, Kim, really upset me. The characters, (laughs) first season, you know, was so cute. We're getting to know all these crazy rich Asians. And I I love that movie. So I was like, I was here for this. Yay for diversity. Yay for getting to see y'all live y'all lush lives. Season two was rough. Season three. Yes, there's still some drama, but I enjoyed it much more. And 
I now know who I feel like I would be friends with in real life if I was in this cast. Oh, it is, shakes out. That's Kelly and Christine for me. I'm not sure if that makes sense really? for anybody else. You'll have to watch the yeah. season. But Kelly Christine and Christine would be it. my friends. Yeah, those two would be my friends. So Kelly, I get, I understand, but yeah, Christine yeah. made it. Okay. Well, it's you know Christine's fabulous. So that's she Christine is. has never not been fabulous, but. I wasn't sure friends. if she was messy though. That was the the unknown. Some people are way messier than her. That's all I have to say. And at least I feel like if I some people I would not trust them as far as I could throw them. Kane, never telling you anything. Never, not a word. So we couldn't be friends. But I feel like I'm excited for season four. I'm excited for this Bling Empire New York spinoff with Dorothy. I'm ready. You think I'm it's ready. happening? Yes, it's happening. Yes, they were even already kind of, I feel like, pivoting towards it because you have some of the characters going to New York in this season three. So I'm excited to see this spinoff. I was a fan of Dorothy, though, from Rich Kids of Beverly Hills. So natural segue for her to be in her element with, with all of the other folks that will be in this cast. And the yes. fashion, darling, the fashion. Ugh. Anyway, my second hidden gem, Luckiest Girl Alive, also on Netflix. I was looking forward to this with starring Mila Kunis, and then I saw a review, just the headline of a review that made me think this was going to be a tough watch. The headline was something along the lines of like, this movie is like painful for everybody, including the audience or something like that. And while I agree the subject matter was tough, I think it was a pretty well done film and that it was an important story to tell. The only downside of this is I've never disliked Connie Britton until the role she played in this movie. I adore Connie Britton. I adore Britton. Connie Britton. Wait she's like till great you watch everything this. she's ever done. Wait till you watch this movie. No. So, yep. I said the same thing. I was like, I adore Connie Britton, but not in this. So that's my second hidden gem, Luckiest Girl Alive on Netflix. Laura, what you got this week? Thank you, Ashley. I have one this week. It is a song. Love Afrobeats. Love this song. This is by Ira Starr. This is a remix called Bloody Samaritan featuring the Miss Kelly Rowland. Kelly's verse for this song is everything. <laughs> Not only based off her delivery, but the words are amazing. And when it comes to music, words literally are everything because I used to be very literal growing up and I still am today. The whole idea of death and life being in the power of the tongue. You know mm. what I mean? Mm. I so, should have <laughs> Kelly's verse, some of the lyrics that mean so much to me and I adore. My blessings, tall like towers. I possess a superpower. I let the good rain down like showers. I never let them make me sour. Hear that, kids? And then it says, because it ain't that deep when they're shallow. Mm. They show you love, but be hating in the shadows. Too many comparisons. I'm a Samaritan. And it's just like, it is such a bop. She's like, I am physically and spiritually fit. She says that all my feminine melanin represent. It is just love, love, love. Bring smiles to my face. Love, love, love. Check it out. Highly recommend. That's all I got today, Ashley. 
awesome. Well, guys, we're going to get back to our next episode on some quick headlines and hot topics. And then it's going to be time for a Halloween recap. Because let's not forget we are in the month of October. Okay? Spooky season. The spooky season. I don't know if Delora and her sister are going to grace us with another Scream Queen segment. We'll see. But we will do a recap of a Halloween film next. So stay tuned for that. Delora, I love you so much. I love you, Ashley. We did it, girl. We did it. We made it through the (laughs) birthday favorite film, at least for this year, right? Because now we got to decide this is going to be an annual thing. I have more favorite films. Hey, I told you. My next one is going to be a low down dirty shame, point blank period. Ah, And to be fair, we've done some of my favorite movies. Yeah. Cinderella, 1997. The Holiday, one of my favorites. So... Santa Claus for me, guys. Go back and listen to our holiday recap from last year. We'll have to figure out what we're going to do for Christmas this year as well. Because we love the holidays around here. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Indeed. Guys, we'll see you next time. Be blessed. Stay safe out in these streets. Kiss somebody you love. Live your best life. Preach.